This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it's Rebecca and Tara, and we are excited to introduce Keegan Connor Tracy, an award-winning actor, voiceover artist, writer, and director from British Columbia. She has starred in the TV show Once Upon a Time as the Blue Fairy and as Belle in Disney's popular Descendants film franchise. Her first short film, which, by the way, I watched on your uh, website, which is wonderful, uh, the bilingual The Girl Slash La Fille, won the Jury President Award at the Galactic Imaginarium Festival and the Best Indie Short at the Las Vegas Movie Awards. And she has directed three TV movies to date. She is, however, for our purposes, championing the novel Greenwood by Michael Christie on the 2023 CBC's Canada Reads Debates. That was long, but welcome, Keegan. Hi, thank you for having me. That was a, quite an introduction. Well, I wanted to make sure everybody had the highlights of your life and career, so I wanted to make sure all of that in there. Well, the Blue Fairy always shows up in that one, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Keegan, let's just jump right in to the book. So you're championing Greenwood by Michael Christie. Did you know that this is the book that you wanted to champion, or did you choose it from a list that the producers gave you? And what made you select it? First of all, they don't have a list that they give you and say, you pick one of these. Like You definitely have a lot of autonomy in what you can pick, which is guided by you know, a myriad factors, including what books have been in the past, what, you know, who has been represented in the past, what publisher, what that, you know, there's all these different, it's like, I keep saying it's like casting a movie when I'm like shifting headshots around going, well, they fit with them and they fit with them. And, you know, it's, so there's a lot of ways in which it has to fit. Yeah. And so when they first called me, it was shortly before Christmas. And I had, you know, I was going through this fairly extensive list of things. I would say, what about this one? Oh, that one already did, or somebody already did that one, or they already won. And uh, so you, you, luckily I'm a big reader, so I had a long list and then I just kept trying books. They would send me a book and I would try it and, yeah. and sort of be like, okay, this is not the one. What about this one? What about this one? And then, uh, I thought for a minute that it was going to be Ruth Ozeki's, uh, tale for the time being, okay. which I, I really loved. I, I was really keen to, you know, to get a chance to meet someone like Ruth, who's also a filmmaker and who's a Buddhist nun. And I was, you know, it sort of crossed a lot of things off my list for me. But I just felt with, uh, it had a very pervasive theme of suicide. And I just felt in this climate, at this time, in this moment, I couldn't say to all of Canada and elsewhere, you know, read this book about this girl who wants to kill herself. Um, I, I also, it didn't take place in Canada. It didn't feel like a Canadian story. So I'm, I kept looking and looking and looking. And I finally was sort of desperate enough that I just looked up like great Canadian books and Beggar's Garden came up and I had read it years ago and loved it. And then when it popped up, Greenwood popped up and I remembered that a friend had given it to me. Oh my gosh, my friend Tracy gave it to me maybe six or eight months prior and I hadn't read it yet. So I just sort of plucked it out of its place where I had put it and started reading it. And once I got, you know, I once I got into the meat of the story with Everett and that chase and just everything and how it went across Canada. I was like, I think this is the book. So they had to wait for me to finish it at Christmas time and then be able to say, you know, yep, yeah, this is the book. Oh, that's fascinating. Thank you. That was a long explanation for that. <laughs> no, no, it was great. No, that was really good. Thank you. 
And I'm just curious, since you said you're a reader, because I don't necessarily think always the defenders are big readers. So what types of things do you normally read? Like what's your go-to reading? I mean, I certainly like a wide variety of things, but I tend to read, you know, I'm using my little air quotes like literature. You know, I love things with that won the Giller, that were on the Scotiabank Giller Prize shortlist, or that won the Pulitzer, or, you know, those are books that I tend to gravitate to versus, for example, say like, oh, this is a New York Times bestseller. Well, sometimes those are, you know, really popular, but not necessarily the kinds of sort of weighty books that I enjoy reading. Do you think, uh, for the competition, that you might have an edge over the other defenders because of your background as an actor? And do you feel you might be able to better handle the pressure of the debates? <laughs> I'm sort of smiling <laughs> as I hear this question. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I, I do definitely think, you know, it's it's something I'm used to. I'm used to being on camera. I'm used to speaking extemporaneously. I'm used to you know, performing to some degree. And, and I think those things all make that easier for me. By the same token, I'm used to playing other people and not necessarily myself. I, the pressure that I feel is, you know, what if I say something stupid or I misspeak and, and it's me that's on the line for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's my biggest worry. I think the biggest competition that I face with respect to those pieces, I mean, certainly Michael Gray Eyes is also an actor and and well-versed in, in all the same things. But Matea Roach uh, is a debate champ, as far as I know champ, certainly a Jeopardy champ, we all know that, but with a history as a debater. And I think really ultimately what this is, is a debate about books. So I'm really kind of boning up on my uh, debate skills currently. Oh, good, good. So while you're boning up on your debate skills, did you, do you have like a process for reading all five books as you're getting ready for it? Well, I certainly uh, went through them all. So I read Greenwood and then I put Greenwood aside and started on all the rest of them. Uh, ultimately, I finished uh, Station Eleven, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now, I guess, maybe two weeks ago or something, and then went back to Greenwood and reread it. And as I went along, you know, if you've seen my posts where I have the book just, you know, <laughs> layered and layered with all these little tabs all over them, um, really went through with a fine tooth comb and looked back at the book which is an interesting thing to do once you know the story and you know the characters. And I was beginning to form my argument in my mind. So looking back, I was often plucking things that supported the way that I want to debate this book. And then the, I'm doing the same uh, with the other books as well. And just now going, I'm on my second read of my second of the other books. And just, I have been, again, working on my arguments, working on what I think they're, you know, what they are going to use as their, this is why you should read it, and then trying to come up with my rebuttals for those. And, and it's just really like a methodical process of looking in detail at all these books and then trying to pinpoint where I think they're going to go and where I can rebut those things. Was there any part of you that when they asked you to be on the program that you thought, no, I can't do it? Or were you just like gung-ho from the get-go? No, although there are moments right now where I think that. <laughs> like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> you know, I'm watching some of the past years and, and you sort of see how different personalities interact and how... So like when they called me, I was all in. They had actually interviewed me a couple of years ago and I was not selected. And I was really, really genuinely devastated by it. Like so much so that I stopped listening to the show. I was like, I just can't. <laughs> um, and so when they called, I was like, yeah, I'm in. I don't care. 
I, but certainly now at this moment, you know, as I'm really facing it, and I spoke with a friend of mine who was on a couple of years ago, and he said, you know, the night before, you're going to be really nervous. You're going to be thinking about how millions of people are watching you. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you know, you're just thinking about your little radio with just you and your car, and you're not kind of putting it together that millions of people are going to be listening to what you are saying. And also, I think, you know, look, at the end of the day, and I'm going to say this in every quarter that I can say it in, these are all good books. And so it genuinely pains me to take a book that somebody worked tremendously hard on and has succeeded with, obviously, for it to be on this list, and then to try to go in and, and pull it apart and unravel it or denigrated is not really the right word, but you know, I've got to find some things and, and put a spotlight on them and make them seem larger than perhaps they are in terms of being the problem of the book to, in order to, you know, try to sell my book as the winner. And I find that to be daunting. I, I find it's, you know, watching sometimes you would see the, the person who's defending kind of, it's hard not to feel a sense of not ownership is not the right thing, but like, you know, if they say something bad about the book, just take it personally, you know, on behalf yeah. of the author, I think. Yeah. I just discovered this just a few days ago. One of my friends said, do you have this in the back on the very last page of your copy of Greenwood? And there's this la on the very, very, very last page, there's this little sort of stamp. Did mm -hmm. you notice that? Right off the bat. Yes. yes, actually. Yeah. It's even in one of my posts. Oh my gosh, that's so wild because I didn't even I didn't even see it. And I always read the author's note at the end, mm -hmm. but I guess I just didn't go far enough and look at that very last page. So anyway, I'm not going to say what it is, but others can go to their copy and look at it and you're going to just be amazed. I thought that was such a cool thing they threw in right at the very end of the book. Yes, me too. At that in the woodcut on the side of the book, I just think it's a piece of art. It is a piece of art oh, along is, with yeah. your book that is also a piece of art. Yeah. Well, now I'm kind of bummed. I don't have my own copy, though. So I read the book uh, a few years ago, Keegan, when it first mm -hmm. came out, but I borrowed it from the library. So I haven't purchased my own copy, So I and I haven't reread it yet for the competition. So I can't, I can't remember what the stamp is. I'll screenshot it to you okay. after the... After <laughs> that would be the... awesome. Thank you. Because I'm like stand, sitting here going, well, I don't know what the stamp is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there is uh, in my feed uh, recently when I did a little post, I show it okay. when I'm talking about the woodcut pattern um, design of the side of the book. Okay. Well, I will check it out. Awesome. Thank you. I, I think I am going to, um, I was debating about whether or not to reread it because it is a nice honker of a book. It is. It is yeah. among the largest of them. Yes. Yeah. But as um we talk about it and I've talked about it with other friends and I've seen stuff online. I think I need to borrow it from my mom because she recently purchased it to read it. So I think nice. I need to reread it. Yeah. And so it's good to hold it in your hands. That's for sure. Yeah. And I want to reread it because I just loved it so much. Once you sort of know what happens, I kind of want to go back now and see sort of the foreshadowing of things as, as you go, once you know everything. So yes, and, indeed. Okay. So my question, my next question is, do you have a strategy? So when you will you vote in the moment or do you kind of have an, a plan of what you might do? Because, you know, sometimes they try to vote the best book off first and some players are kind of, or I shouldn't say players, but defenders are strategic and some are not. So do you have a plan kind of going in? 
you know, certainly I'm not going to get, you know, tip my hand. Right. <laughs> I, I think for me, it's a mixture of both because you don't know how people are going to play that on the day. And you have to be able to kind of roll with how that goes. Um, and also, as I go back and watch some previous years, I'm going to see how it unfolds a little bit better and kind of remind myself of that. But ultimately, I think all I can do is be really, really deeply prepared, know these books really well, know my book really well, and just try to read the temperature of the room, I guess. Just, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, just even when you do the first vote, well, if I'm the first person to say, this is the book that didn't, you know, speak to me versus the fourth person to say that. Mm -hmm. I think that changes how I might respond. For example, you know, if the others say, well, we didn't like this book and that's not my book, but three of them have said they don't like it. Well, it might behoove me to pile on. So I think it's a lot of in the moment kind of decisions based on a lot of research beforehand. Yeah. And that's the part I think would be so hard is you don't know which way to go because you know, I've only been watching for like the last, what, six years or something. That's when I discovered it. But sometimes I feel like you have to be careful too, because then if your book is still on, you've got to be worried about how the next people are going to vote if you vote against their book. You know what I mean? There's just this whole strategy to it. Yeah, I think it really depends on the personalities of the people uh, who are defending the book. This seems like a, a nice crowd uh, that mm -hmm. I think will vote with their hearts and their minds. And I, I don't know. It's impossible to know until the moment <laughs> that we're there. <laughs> Keegan, every, well, the last several years, there's always in one of the episodes, a moment where they show, they have a little video of the authors in which the authors are telling the defenders what they will give them if their book should win. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything that you would like Michael Christie to give you? When I was watching, I saw that and I thought, what would I want? And yeah. what would I want him to say? And I, there's a part of me that just thinks, I would love to see what Michael comes up with. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think we've started to get to know each other. We've spoken quite a bit. And, and uh, I would be really curious to see what would strike him to say about that. Certainly, he has a, a place on Galliano Island, and I've never been there. And so I would love to come and, and meet him there and just walk in this beautiful natural island that is akin to what green what greenwood island is in the book mm -hmm. you know just have that experience of being outdoors he said he's a carpenter you know talk about trees talk about nature talk about books sounds pretty fabulous to me that sounds pretty fabulous yeah keegan thank you so much for being on today we are really excited for this year's competition you you sort of said it the defenders all seem really wonderful the books are spectacular and I think it's going to be one of the most competitive years, but we want to wish you great success because we both really loved Greenwood and we are so excited uh, to see how well you do and we're confident that you will do a great job. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and uh, you know, send all of the good vibes to me and to Michael Christie and to his beautiful book, Greenwood. I think it really is the book that all of Canada should read and I will explain how I think it can shift all of our perspectives. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.